You're listening to the preaching ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek to worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, please visit redemption.bible. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming worship services. Turn in your copy of God's Word then to Galatians 6, 1. Galatians 6, 1. We're continuing in our series, Come and Belong, looking at these one another's of the New Testament that define our uncommon community. If uh, you're unfamiliar with where Galatians is, it's about midway through your New Testament after uh, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then you have Galatians there, one of the first of those smaller letters written by the Apostle Paul to a region of churches there in Asia Minor, kind of modern-day Turkey, and that whole surrounding area right there, not just to one church, but to a region of churches in a similar way if like a letter was written to the Texas GCC churches in this region here. And what I love about Galatians and really uh, all the epistles, these letters in the New Testament, is that humanly speaking, the people to which Paul were writing, uh, was writing to were, were much the same as us. They faced similar challenges like we face in our day-to-day life. They found joy in similar places that we uh, find joy in in our lives. And yes, the technology was different then. They didn't have all the same amenities and the same things that we now have. But uh, fundamentally, they were humans just like us and thus faced those same challenges and joys like us. And really, they faced this uh, same reality of life. That life is heavy. Life is often hard. Uh, there's, there's too much to do on our own and to bear up under on our own, no matter our illusions of self-sufficiency or self-strength. And why is that? Why is life often heavy? Because sin has corrupted everything. It's corrupted everything. Sin as a result of the the curse, the curse unleashed on the earth after Adam and Eve that has affected everything in our physical being and the the earth all around us. It's heavy because we ourselves sin and create these burdens uh, in our own life and these challenges uh, as a result or the consequences of our own sin. Life is also heavy because uh, others' sin against us hurts us. We're offended and grieved by what they do to us. Or sometimes it's not what they've done to us, but we, uh, life is heavy because others' sin uh, uh, grieves us as we watch them make a mess of their life. Turn away from the Lord or to walk in disobedience to the Lord. So the question is, how then do we keep from being crushed by these moments? by the burdens that we can not handle on our own and seem to face everywhere we look. What is it that we need in these moments of heaviness? Well, I would submit to you this morning, and I think you'll see it here in the text, we need the truth and we need community. We need the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Christ is, the truth of, uh, of God's character, and the truth of who we are as these anchor points that keep us from drifting away. We need the community of God's people to come alongside us 
to support us and to help us. In short, we need Jesus and we need the body of Jesus. We need the truth and we need community. And I think Galatians 6 will bring this out for us today as we see how to do this and a heart that is motivated by love. And so come to Galatians 6. I just want to read it here for us. And actually, I want us to back up to verse 25 of chapter 5. Because it really sets the context here for us. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 25, and we'll work our way down through it. It says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Now, this is God's word for God's people. Now, note this about the, the, the context in which these, this passage is set, and it's uh, immediately following a, probably a well-known passage to you if you're uh, familiar with your Bible and walking, been walking with Christ for any length of time. This is immediately following the passage on uh, the fruits of the Spirit and the deeds of the flesh, those evidences in our life if we are indeed uh, walking in the Spirit or if we are walking in sin according to the flesh and the fruit that then results in our life for all to see. And what he's getting at in this passage, in, in that section, is how individually as saved people, sanctified, and we're walking these out, then this is how it bears out in our uncommon community. This is the effect of how we are individually walking, then this is how it plays out in our life. And that's why we can say this, kind of underlying our passage today, uh, we can say it this way, is that bearing burdens is the support ministry of our uncommon community. Write that down. It's in your notes here. And I just want you to see it as kind of the fundamental premise of this passage and how this fits with the rest of the one another's. Is that bearing burdens is the support ministry of our uncommon community. And here's the thing. The, to the degree that we bear burdens and support one another it, as, a, as a church is the fruit or evidence of its people walking in the spirit. That has love, joy, peace, patience, and all the others mentioned just a few verses uh, before as those things are true in us. This is the fruit then of how we live. See, as believers, we have an obligation to support one another. And the text which I read here really highlights how we do that both from the heart and in our deeds or in our actions towards one another. That's why I read verses 26 and 27 because that gets at the heart motivation that we're to do these things as we walk in spirit, keeping in step with him, not with conceit or self-importance, not with a, a thinking too highly of ourselves, not provoking others to sin nor envying what they have or where they are in their life, but rather we support without self-importance. Write that down. It's not there but it, in your notes, but it is on the screen here. See, we support then without self-importance importance, not with conceit, not with provocation, not with envy, in the same way that we love without condition and welcome without partiality, what defines us as a people is we support 
without self-importance. And that's really the motive of our heart. And then in chapter 6, it describes then our actions and how we do that. So, question then, how do we support without self-importance? Well, as we get into chapter 6, verse 1, here, write this down. It is in your notes. We aim for gentle restoration. To support without self-importance means that we aim for gentle restoration. Chapter, verse 1 begins with a brothers. Uh, it could very uh, you know, uh, accurately be uh, derived as brothers and sisters, just a masculine form of everybody. Ladies, you're not left out from uh, playing these things out because these things are, are family rules. You know, you've seen those, I'm sure, like some of you all go shopping at Hobby Lobby. Maybe you even have one of these hanging in your house. Like, in this house, we laugh all the time, say we're sorry, we make messes, we, you know, do you have those things? Have you seen those, like, in this house we do that? Yeah, some of y'all, some are like, yeah, we don't have those in our house. <laughs> I swear. But in a similar fashion, we could have these one another's, like, listed out in front of our church. In this church, we seek to love one another, welcome one another, bear one another's burdens, or whatever it might be. And how we play that out is through aiming for gentle restoration. He says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression. Now, let's just acknowledge here uh, right up front as we come to this passage, sin is real. And I think it's good for us like, to just acknowledge something right up front, all of us here, is this is us. We've all been here caught in sin, caught in a transgression, or we will all be here at some point in our life, or maybe some of you even right now are, are say, yep, this is me. I'm caught in it like a rabbit in a snare. When we think of this caught, don't think of like, like you know, God's just like, you know, hiding behind the corner there like a police officer waiting to catch us speeding, right? Gotcha. No. We recognize we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion, not just to catch us, but to destroy us. Our sin is real, and it will deceive us. And we can be just walking through life. It looks like a good path. We're trying to make a wise decision, or maybe just even through the normal things of life. We're just uh, going on around socials, trying to look up something. We're in having a conversation, or we're going to this one store, and the next thing you know, we're snared like an animal snared and then we become scared because we don't know how to get out of this or we, 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 we realize, oh man, I've just made a mess of everything. We're real transparent this morning. I think we can all say, yeah, I've been here. Or if we're not careful, we too may end up here just the same. And praise God that he gives us the community of God's people for moments like these. For moments like these, when we are caught and cannot free ourselves, when we are caught in the sins that we have committed or others, and, 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 and we don't know what to do. There's a way out of this, a way that we come alongside and help one another. We who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, this idea of, of, of restoring in the New Testament is often uh, it's used for fishermen mending their nets. A net that had been ripped or torn is being put back together carefully, expertly. It's also, it's a medical term used of what, when doctors would reset a bone. Have you ever had a broken bone? Yeah. Had to get it reset? What makes all the difference is the bedside manner or the gentleness or the, or the roughness of the doctor. See, what's common when 
uh, in the world as people are caught in sin or in a place where they can't get themselves out. What's common for us in our flesh is to leave that person to, uh, to go out and on their own. Well, you're the, uh, the, the stupid one who got yourself in there. You can get yourself out. Or we come alongside and we deal harshly with them because now it's just created this massive inconvenience in our life and a mess that we have to come and clean up. I think you can see there the conceit, the harshness in our own soul, but what is uncommon, what is faithful here, what models Christ's likeness, this gentle restoration. See, how a person is restored is just as important that they are is that we come alongside, like the doctor, with a gentle bedside manner, but even more than that, that we come alongside them just like Christ. Remember the invitation from Christ in Matthew 11, to come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am harsh. I'm rude. I will take time out of my schedule to be inconvenienced by your stupidity. For I am, somebody say it, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, we, as we seek to restore one another, to support without this self-importance, we do so from a heart that is motivated by this uncommon gentleness that comes from Christ. And what is it that keeps us as believers gentle? Humility. Humility keeps us gentle. Humility that knows that apart from God's grace, we would be caught too. That's what he's getting at when he says, you who are spiritual, that's not synonymous with like you who are elite, you who are perfect, you who have everything figured out. No, it's just simply you who are walking in the spirit. It doesn't matter how mature you are. It doesn't matter how many years in the faith you've had. You who are spiritual, you who are humble, knowing apart from God's grace, you would be caught too. Humility that knows what it's like to be there. Be caught in sin with no way out and scared and snared. It's a humility that comes that with we know that we have to be diligent lest we would be caught in it too. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And so redemption, how do we become a place like this? A place that is uh, where we can confess uh, transparently, where we can grow uh, in, in, you know, with the mess of life. How do we become a place like this, an uncommon community? Well, it comes by aiming for gentle restoration through uh, the trials and temptations and the times where we are caught in sin. Not by just becoming a place where we are telling each other what we're doing wrong all the time. Or just letting one another go their own way. Or begrudgingly helping each other. But no, we step in. We step in with gentleness. We step in with humility. And here's a second way that we support. We step in by bearing up with love. Verses 2 and 3 is the central command here to bear one another's burdens. Really show us then how we support without self-importance. How we bear burdens without conceit is we bear up with love. We see this similar pattern all throughout here of all these one, one another's. We have the command of what to do and then the example from Christ himself. 
And now the burdens here to bear one another's burdens are those things in a believer's life, those weights, those heavy loads that are more than one person can carry on their own. They're the dump truck loads of life. Whether as a result of our personal sin or the influence of sin on the world around us, it's those moments that are heavy. Those crisis moments when grief is crushing, when the bad news is unbearable. It's the panic moments when our overpacked schedule has drained us of all joy and energy to do anything. It's the significant moments of life change, new babies, new homes, new town, new job, new family, that just crowd out time for the normal activities of life. It's the redemptive moments when hidden sin has you in a stranglehold and you just can't pretend any longer. See, it's in these moments, by God's wise design for us, that the uncommon community is here for. We bear one another's burdens with love. We support one another. This idea of bearing burdens really is synonymous with support, but not support in the way that many in our world use it, like, oh, I'm here for you, man, and then never around. Or uh, I'll, I'll support you and be a shoulder to cry. No, it's much deeper than that. To support uh, it has this con connotation of lifting another person up. The same way that love is, uh, means you before me is sacrifice. And welcoming means you uh, coming near me. To support means like you above me. It's to elevate another person to a place higher than ourselves. To hold them up and to push them up. It's a you above me. Same way that... Uh, Support board or pole holds up a fence that is falling over because of the wind and the wear and tear and the heaviness of life. And we come under and support and lift it up. We don't just do it begrudgingly. But look what it says. We bear these burdens, bear or commanded to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's that all about? What's the law of Christ? What did we see a couple weeks ago? What did Jesus say? A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. Just as I have loved you. And one of the primary expressions of this Christ-like love, of this first fruit of the Spirit in the, in the list, is to support one another without self-importance. To bear up one another's burdens with this love to bear the weight of burden uh, of, of sin or dominating life struggle with a brother or sister in the same way that Christ bore the weight of your sin. See, this is where the beauty of the gospel gets on display in our life. As we remember what Christ has done as he bore the weight, the heaviness of our sin on the cross. As he willingly went there, holy God, leaving heaven's throne, coming, living the perfect life, innocent, unlike anybody else has ever been, and then dying a sinner's death, bearing the weight of not just the burden of my sin, but yours and all who would confess Christ as Lord and Savior. See, this is the good news. This is the news that saves you. Maybe today you are feeling the weight of your sin. You've never trusted Christ. 
today can be the day where the burden is lifted. If God is giving you eyes to see in a deep experience of, of the weightiness of your sin, be embrace the glory of God and the grace of Christ to save you. It's turning from it, of releasing it to the Lord and surrendering to him in faith as your sacrifice, trusting him to save you and to bear you up. Praise be to God for that, right? And see, we live this out. We who are Christians, we live this out, or at least we should in, in community as we ask for help from one another or we rush in when others ask for help. But, but here's, here's the reality. Why don't we ask for help? When we find ourselves burdened by the dump truck loads of life, why do we not ask for help? Well, here's some common thoughts. We, we think, I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. I'm not going to ask for help because I know that they have stuff going on and I don't want to be a burden to them. Never thought that? Why from the enemy trying to deprive you of the help that you have readily available to you? We, we might think this also. We're like, I don't want to be seen as weak. I need, I need to be seen as strong in the faith. I can handle this. I don't want, I don't want others around me to think that I'm, I'm weak. I'm, I'm, I've been following Jesus this long. Surely I can handle this, and I don't need anybody else, and I, I don't want them to think of me as a weakling in the faith. Here's another common thought. We don't ask for help because we don't want to have to reciprocate it later. Well, if I come in and make these meals now for... Uh, you know, if, if I ask for people to make these meals for me, then every time another meal train comes, I'm going to have to do it. I, just, I don't want I have, ain't nobody got time for that. But why, on the flip side, then, why don't we ask for help? What are some common thoughts? This isn't exhaustive. You may have your own ways that you would answer this. Why don't we help others when we know, like, we can see Maybe they've even clearly asked for help. Why don't we? Well, maybe, maybe it's because you feel unequipped to deal with it. I, I, just, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know, I don't know what counsel to give. I don't know what to tell them to do. Like, uh, we'll just, uh, let, let, let's just leave it to the professionals. Send them to Michael. Michael can fix everything, right? Call Michael. 911. <laughs> maybe... Firstly, in that we don't help because we feel superior. We're puffed up in our own mind. We're conceited in how we think. Like, well, if they weren't so whatever, they wouldn't have found themselves here. But what verse 3 has to say for that. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let us not be self-deceived here. And now to be nothing doesn't doesn't carry weight like we're all worthless. It's that we've received something that we are unworthy of. We don't ask for help. We lack compassion. We misjudge it as not a, a burden, but a responsibility we think it is. No, they can deal with that. Maybe we fear being tempted, and so it's like, well, I don't want to, I'm not going to. I don't know how you might answer those things, but here are the uncommon thoughts. Here are the gospel-centered thoughts regarding our burdens. As God puts people into our life, we can gladly come under his sovereignty and see that God, no, God put this person in my life for my help. Or he put me here for their help. With the comfort which I've been comforted, I can now comfort them in their affliction. 
uncommon thoughts in this is, not, is, is an attitude of, I get to give this help to this person. God in his grace has seen fit to save me and now put me here. So now I get to, or vice versa, I get to now receive this help from uh, these people as the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Christ. And we can complain to God all the time, like, God, why don't you help me? Why don't you? And it's like, there's a whole room full of people as his hands and feet and mouth to come and bear the burdens with See, we bear up with love for one another. It's out of an understanding of his love, an understanding of his sovereignty, an understanding of his provision for us in the church, in the community of God's people here. When we find ourselves overburdened by life, we bear up with one another in love. But lest we mistake uh, what these things are, we just seek to take advantage of the help that God's people give to one another or to prevent us from just enabling sinfulness in others. The passage rounds out the teaching with this third point. See, we're we're to support one another without self-importance through aiming for gentle restoration by bearing up with love. But here's the third thing of taking uh, care of our own responsibilities of bearing our own uh, load here in uh, our daily responsibilities as believers. And maybe you're asking yourself, well, what's the difference? What's, or maybe even you're more skeptical and you're like, is this a contradiction? I'm seeing some contradictions in these verses from what he's just saying. No, he's just really rounding it out here and showing us the difference between bearing burdens and bearing, uh, and, and bearing responsibility. See, where in, is in verse 2, this word burdens, it denotes the weightiness of life that is too heavy for one person to carry. This idea of load here at the end of verse 5 is a different word that's used to designate a pack that was usually carried by a military soldier. It's the backpacks of life. And so think of a marching soldier having the backpack on his back with a weight that he can carry and the things that he needs to do in order to survive. It's the same word here and this same burden that Jesus offered in Matthew 11 that I just read. Not the burden uh, of uh, verse 2 here, but the load here of verse 5. A load that one commentator, look, look what he says here, he says, there are certain Christian responsibilities or burdens that each believer must bear, which cannot be shared with others. And Jesus assured his disciples that such burdens were light. End quote. So how do we know? How do we know when we're feeling the weightiness of life? How can we know if it's a backpack or a dump truck? Like, well, boy, that's pretty obvious, right? Well, we pick it up. We test it like what verse 4 says. Let each one test his own work or test his own uh, load. Let him each test what he is doing here. And it's something in our life that we have to self-assess. We need to see, okay, God, is this my responsibility to walk in faithfulness? Is this something that I have to do in obedience to you? Or is this really something that is too much for me to bear? There's a burden that I cannot do uh, on my own. It's easy to assess others in this situation, right? 
we can judge uh, where everybody else is. No, there's responsibility and praise God for that. And the community that we help one another when we can't see and we don't fully understand this, it's easy to see all the ways that others don't help us in these moments when we are feeling crushed and we're like, why aren't people helping me? Why aren't we uh, doing this? Well, uh, we have to live life in community and make these things known. People can't read our minds. They don't know all the stressful moments. We have to be vulnerable and make them known to us in these moments. We can't be too proud or scared to do so. See, it isn't the responsibility of others to get us up and to take care of ourselves and to you know have good hygiene and get ready for the day and to connect with God and to connect with the other believers and to say no to temptation and yes to righteousness, to just show up on time. It's not the responsibility of others to make us repent and turn from our sin and things. These are things that we must do on our own. And I have to test it. Is this what I need to do or is this what I need the help of the community in these moments? So let me ask a question here about verse 4. Is this permitting boasting of our independence? Is verse 4 encouraging us to boast of like our independent spiritual maturity? Nobody wants to answer, right? I won't get it wrong. I could, could come up on the recording or something. And, well, no. I think we'd be mistaken if we were to read it like that and see it outside the context of everything what he's talking about from chapter 5 and now here into chapter 6. It's a boasting and rejoicing that we are now, by the Spirit's help, enabled to bear this personal responsibility. That we are now able to walk in the Spirit of God and we're not just going with the flow like the rest of the world uh, headed uh, you know, towards their sinfulness, no, but we can now rejoice in the fact that the Spirit has given us this ability to bear our load, our personal responsibilities, and come alongside one another to bear their burdens. We're not boasting because we think that we're better than our hurting or sinning brother or sister. We're not boasting thinking that we're above needing the help of the community and others, but we are now boasting because God has given us the strength in His Spirit to do so. as we bear our own personal responsibility for our walk with Christ. This is how we support one another without self-importance so that we avoid a sinfully overburdening the community uh, with, uh, with our personal responsibilities and thus are staying strong and healthy and vibrant in our faith and ready to help those who truly are under the crushing load of the dump trucks of life. It's common to take the easy way out. It's common to run away from responsibility. It's common to expect others to pick up the slack uh, for us. It's common to blame others for our failures, but it is uncommon. It is spirit-enabled to self-assess and humbly admit and say, I can't do this. I need some help. It's our uncommon to be joyfully self-disciplined in the responsibilities and praise God for his grace that we can. That we can do this, especially when it is hard. Especially when we find ourselves overburdened, we can still uh, bear our responsibilities here uh, in the context of community, in the context of God's people here, each of us taking up our share, using our gifts, using our, our resources to share what we have and share in the load so that when life is heavy, 
And it will be, or it is. It's in these moments then that we are not squashed, but we can continue plodding along day by day, one step at a time to the beat of the Holy Spirit with our brothers and sisters supporting one another with great humility, with great gentleness, knowing that that is exactly how Christ bore our burdens. With humility, he came to earth. With gentleness, he invited us in and came alongside us. There's a myriad of ways that this all plays out. Ways that even in the last few weeks, uh, that as a pastor, I've got to witness our body bearing in the burdens, helping one another, of each bearing their responsibility, me being the recipient and many others as well, and praise God for this. And one of the ways, not even as we just come into in the physical needs in this, one of the ways that we bear one another's burdens is through praying of taking our burdens and taking our needs to the only one who truly can fix it, the one who daily bears us up. Let us not discount the the power of prayer in all this, and that's exactly what we're going to do as we close today. If you're new with us today, and uh, uh, maybe this will be new to you, as we are going to close our service by singing and praying together and just leaving some space to uh, come to the Lord with our own requests and praying for one another. If you've been around redemption, you uh, know we do these uh, 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 periodically as an act of worship and responsiveness to the Lord of just praying for one another. It may seem awkward to you, but let me just encourage you that it doesn't need to be. The Lord delights to hear from you today. Even if you feel like you're just kind of bumbling and stumbling through your words, like the Lord delights to hear from you. He doesn't need big, you know, King James Version uh, prayers uh, from us. And so we're going to pray in a couple sections. I'm going to uh, open us up here, and the worship team will come up, and we'll, we'll sing a song. And then we're going to, uh, um, we'll just take some time in praying and asking God for his grace and his help for our responsibilities. And we'll just pray on our own for that section. We'll sing some more, and then uh, the next section we'll pray. And I just encourage you to get with the people uh, that you came with this morning. Groups of two or three, maybe a little bit bigger, or just in a break there. If you came by yourself, just ask and pray for the people next to you. I don't want us to just share our requests. You can share it concisely. You know, if you don't know, maybe you already know exactly what that person needs prayer for. Well, let's bear the burden. Let's support one another as we pray for one another in that way. Can we do that, church? Great. Let's bow our heads come before the Lord. God in heaven, here we are. Here only because of your grace and mercy. Here because of your goodness and kindness to us. Here because you bear, you bore rather, past tense, bore our sin on that cross. Grateful that you took care of our greatest needs. I'm grateful, God, that you put us in a church like this, surrounded us with these believers, so that when life is heavy, when life is hard, when things aren't uh, going uh, as we uh, 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 thought they would be, we're snared in sin, that you and your wisdom gave us these people. You gave us your spirit. You gave us your word. You gave us the example in Christ but you also gave us one another. And so, Lord, as we come to you with our burdens, with our responsibilities, with these moments, 
We're grateful that you are with us. We embrace your help. We would ask that you would get the glory through it no matter what. We pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen.